0: Welcome to Inside the Senior Alliance, a podcast exploring resources and issues in the field of aging. I'm Jason Macieski, CEO at the Senior Alliance, the Area Agency on Aging serving Western and Southern Wayne County. Joining me today is Dave Lalumia, Executive Director of the Area Agencies on Aging and Association of Michigan, which we refer to as 4AM. Dave, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Jason, happy to be here. Today we wanna to cover what has happened with the fiscal year 2024 budget here in the state of Michigan, specifically for older adults and caregivers and services that we provide as an Area Agency on Aging and a My Choice Waiver agent. And the state budget process really occurs over you a know, five or six month period of time, Dave. And it starts with the governor in early February delivering her budget message and her proposed budget And there are consensus revenue estimating conferences that occur where Treasury and the fiscal agencies get a consensus on what the revenue is going to be in the upcoming fiscal year for the state. And that feeds the appropriations process in the two chambers of the state legislature, which hold hearings in March and April. And then in May, typically the process really gets going where the chambers are passing budget bills as they're being reported up from subcommittees and through the appropriations committee and they get into conference committees where they negotiate the final deal. And so we've been through that whole process here now in 2023 for fiscal year 2024, which starts on October 1st, and we now have a budget. But I wanted to start today by asking you, Dave, what were we looking for as an Area Agency on Aging Association here in Michigan out of the fiscal year 24 budget? Well, there were a couple of items that were really high
1: on our priority list, and one of them was a direct care worker salary increases and you know as as everyone is experiencing it's uh, very difficult to recruit and re- retain direct care workers throughout the aging network the governor and her budget had a dollar and a half per hour increase recommended 4am was part of a, a statewide coalition that was requesting a four dollar an hour increase but we also supported the request of the of the governor so that that was one of ours. You know, salaries and wages aren't the only thing that are important to direct care workers, but to be competitive with other community employers, direct care workers, and the aging network really need a, a competitive salary and uh, and wage. The other item that was high on our priority list was a request for funding to establish caregiver resource centers at the AAAs around the state. We have come to understand and appreciate the vital role that family and informal caregivers play in, uh, in long-term care. Without the work, that family and informal caregivers do every day our older adults and people with disabilities would be much more reliant on a service delivery network that in some ways is struggling to uh, to help them so we had requested a 16.8 million dollar appropriation to establish caregiver resource centers at each of the 16 area agencies on aging another area was the, uh, my choice rates we have uh, the my choice uh, waiver agents have been struggling with continuing to provide services to adjust their unit rates to accommodate uh, growing pressure to increase uh, direct care workers so we've been very concerned about the whole my choice rate structure the actuarial soundness requirements that Medicaid and the federal government impose on managed care organizations. So we've been talking about rates with our House and Senate members hoping that, that they will come to have a greater appreciation of what's involved in the rate structure and how rates are established and to um, make sure that my choice waiver agents get the best possible rates that they can within the, within the structure.
0: Those are really our top priorities going into the end of the budget year. Yes, yeah, certainly important topics that we've been advocating on for, for quite a while. One of the consistent thing that we are annually advocating on are those older Americans Act funded items, and specifically in the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services budget for the nutrition programs, which a lot of people know as Meals on Wheels, and the in-home service programs that at the Senior Alliance we call Care Management Case Coordination and Support. And I know we had a couple of asks around those two items, and people who have listened to our podcast in the past might be familiar with the Silver Key Coalition, which is that group of aging-related organizations across the state to advocate for the nutrition program's budget, and for the in-home services budget. So could you tell us you know, what we were looking for on those two traditional budget items and what we ended up getting in the budget this year?
1: Yeah, the Silver Key Coalition is, uh, they are an important voice and they prepare their own appropriation priority agenda every year. This year, the items that appeared on a Silver Key list were funding of non-Medicaid home and community-based services, you know, the My Choice program is a, a program that serves Medicaid beneficiaries, but there are also many older adults, people with disabilities who don't quite make Medicaid eligibility, but who still need assistance in remaining in their own homes. So, you know, AAA's financed these services through state appropriations or local funding, and the Silver Key was asking for just a little over $6 million In state general funding to assist with addressing the waiting list for non Medicaid um, home and community based services. They also requested a million dollars for home delivered meals. And this is another state funding, state general fund request. And they were also promoting improvements in the, the long term care ombudsman program, which has not had an increase in several decades now. But the ombudsman's program is an important tool that we have to making sure that older adults get into the right service mix and uh, have any grievances that they might have addressed by an independent ombudsman. So, you know, those were the those were the asks of the Silver Key Coalition. Now, what we ended up getting, it's both, I think, encouraging and a little bit disappointing. Encouraging in that some of our um, items were addressed in the budget, but not at the levels that were that were requested or that we felt were were needed on the direct care worker wage increase, I mentioned that the governor's budget proposed a dollar and a half increase. The statewide coalition was proposing a four dollar an hour increase. The uh, house concurred with the governor and put in a dollar and a half increase. The Senate was much lower at a 65 cent an hour increase, and the final decision made on direct care worker increases was an 85 cent an hour pay increase. So something again, something in there for uh, to acknowledge the fact that direct care worker support is uh, important, but not uh, what was asked for or requested, and certainly far short of. What's needed to make sure that the aging network remains uh, competitive? On the caregiver resource centers, we had asked for $16.8 million. The Senate had put in $9.4 million, and the House did not include this item in their budget. And the conference committee, the final decision on the budget was to add $5 million for caregiver support services across the AAA network. These funds would be distributed to AAAs based on their. Interstate funding formula. I think it's important that this need was recognized and that there was an appropriation for it, but certainly short of what had been asked for. Another item that appeared in the budget was a million dollars in funding for nutrition services or Meals on Wheels. While this was an ask of the Silver Key Coalition, the million dollars that was put in was one time funding, it was federal one time ARPA funding. I think it, this will be a challenge to AAAs to spend this money on nutrition services and knowing that it's not going to be there necessarily in the coming uh, fiscal year, FY25. So on uh, home and community based services, this was one of those uh, asks of the Silver Key Coalition. They had requested $6.4 million. The final amount in the budget was state funding, but it was $658,000. This will be put to good use across the network, but it was certainly far short of what is needed to address all the waiting lists around the state. It's about It ended up being about 10% of what was uh, asked for. So those were, the I think, the major highlights of the budget. There was a, an MDHHS, a, a departmental request for federal funding to take advantage of the home and community-based services incentive program, which was part of the federal legislation. And that was included in part of the budget that was uh, actually an FY 2023 supplemental. So uh, this is uh, good news for our state uh, partners and they will intend to address some direct care worker uh, training issues. It's possible that they will address some caregiver resource center uh, issues with that funding, but it was included as a part of the, the supplemental.
0: Yeah, I think that when you look back at the budget that we just passed here in Michigan, we got partial appropriations on just about everything we were looking for. We were looking for increases in a lot of different budget lines, and we got partial increases. So while a little bit of progress has been made, we haven't gotten to the point where we're actually reaching the goal of eliminating wait lists and fully being able to build out a caregiver resource center network. So we still got some work to do ahead of us on those fronts. And just to maybe illustrate why we put so much effort into advocating for these things. I'll pick out that in-home services line item, that care management program, the one that we got just over $600,000 in additional funding for when we were looking for more like $9 million. We've got about 1,100 people on that program at the Senior Alliance that participate in that. And the wait list is just as big. So there's an incredible demand for people to receive those kind of community living. Supports and services that enable them to remain living in their homes, and it's funded through these appropriations in the state budget. So that's why we're this year we were looking for that additional nine million, and we're grateful to get the amount that we got. But it's not going to be enough to eliminate those wait lists right now. But I, I do want to turn to my choice, the My Choice for Medicaid Waiver Program. We are continually advocating for rate increases there as well. It's a little bit different than the Old Americans Act programs because A, it's Medicaid, and then B, it's a capitative system. So we get a set amount of money for um, what are called slots, in essence, people that get enrolled into the program. And then we have to manage that over the course of the year. And we have been trying to keep pace with inflation and keep pace with uh, the cost of delivering those services and building the direct care workforce and all the things that are involved there. But the budget isn't necessarily the final step in setting the rate for the My Choice program. So, could you maybe illustrate for us what the, the final pieces of setting that rate for fiscal year 24 are going to be? The rate setting process is it's
1: quite complex, and as you mentioned, My Choice waiver agents are uh, they are capitated. A capitated rate is set. And uh, we, uh, AAAs and waiver agents are considered managed care organizations by the federal government, so they have to meet uh, federal requirements for rate setting. And those federal requirements include an actuarial analysis and a requirement that any rate that's set for a Medicaid managed care organization be actuarially sound and certified by a competent and, and qualified actuary. So... The state has retained an actuarial firm. You may hear the name uh, Milliman. That is the state actuary, and they review data submitted by My Choice Waiver agents, and they determine a rate based on that information, which meets the actuarial soundness requirements. So it has been very frustrating in that um, either no increases have been recommended over the last year and a half in some cases, there were rate reductions recommended at a time when the pace of inflation across the country in every category has been precedent setting. You know, the, when the budget is passed, they, they put a kind of a placeholder number in the budget, which is their estimate about what the rate increase might be. But the actual rate increase is determined by the state actuary and has to be certified according to generally accepted Accounting and actuarial principles to be an accurate rate. So, we have the budget now. There's money in there for a rate increase uh, across the board, not only for My Choice, but for Medicaid health plans, for for the My Health Link program, and and other Medicaid programs. But we'll know what the rate will be exactly when the uh, Milliman firm finishes its uh, analysis of the My Choice waiver data and and puts a rate out there. And that will be sometime. In the next um, month, usually in late July or, uh, or early
0: August. Thanks for that overview. It, it can be a bit of a complicated issue when you begin to talk about how My Choice is funded. But at the end of the day, for us, these are all critical programs, whether it's the My Choice waiver, whether it's care management, nutrition programs, they're all helping us reach our mission of assisting people to remain living in the community in the homes where they, they want to be. So, we appreciate your work at the State Association on behalf of the sixteen AAAs as well. But if we want to engage advocates going forward, we certainly have a lot of issues that we need to keep addressing and keep talking to the state legislature about what can an advocate do to help support our advocacy on these issues? Well, I think there's a couple of things, and um,
1: first i I would like to just underscore something that you said before, and that is that a number of our priority issues actually a a large number of our priority issues were addressed in some way. And to me, that says that we did get a message out there and people, uh, legislators and, and departmental staff heard the request. They got the message. They were aware of what was being asked for. You know, were those areas addressed adequately in the budget process? Not really. But I think it. to me, it's encouraging that So many of our issues did get some attention in the budget process. Uh, Moving forward, I think we have to continue our advocacy on all of these issues. I think our momentum will continue uh, to build on some of them, and we may have some greater success next year and and in years to come. But, you know, what can we do now that the budget process is over, the legislature has adjourned for the summer? and i think what the main thing we can do is continue to build relationships you know the success in getting items in the budget or having legislation passed or amended really has to do with uh, with relationship building so getting to know your house and senate members over the summer everybody's going to be working in their district offices they're going to be having coffee hours they they all have newsletters that that go out, which keep their constituents informed. They request input from people. And we need to just engage in that process to to get to know our legislators, to go to coffee hours, to read their newsletters and know what they're up to and what they're doing. And a lot can be accomplished between now and next February when The governor introduces her FY25 budget and the whole process of legislative consideration
0: of that budget begins all over again. Great. Thanks for those tips as well on on how to advocate and the importance of it. As we wrap up today, I want to shout out one of our colleagues, Pam Curtis, who's the CEO at the Muskegon Area Agency on Aging over there. She is going to be taking over as president of the board of directors for our national association, U.S. Aging This coming Sunday here in uh, mid-July, and she's going to serve as president of that important association and just, I think, shows the strength of the air agencies on aging here in Michigan is we have one of our own uh, taking the leadership role at our national association for the next year. So that's a really big feather in our cap, I think, here in Michigan. And congratulations to Pam. But Dave, I want to thank you again for taking the time to join us here today on Inside the Senior Alliance. Thank you, Jason. If you have questions about services or programs the Senior Alliance offers, you can call us at 734-722-2830 or email us at info at Information about our agency or the programs and services we offer can be found on our website at www.thesenioralliance.org. On Facebook, we can be located by searching for The Senior Alliance. And finally, our Twitter handle is at AAA1C. I'm Jason Macieski. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the Senior Alliance.
1: Inside the Senior Alliance is a production of The Senior Alliance and Blazing Kiss Media.